shield you, for Jesus. me. Thank you, Lord. You are the glory and the lifter of my Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Praise the Lord. If we ever needed him, we certainly need him now, don't we? Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Let us listen to the Lord Jesus tonight as he teaches more of the fundamental principles by which the apostolic church in the first century and his true church in every century thereafter will be built upon. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept... Now notice the man that done the sowing didn't sleep, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Now listen how close it was. They were both sown almost simultaneously, and they come up almost simultaneously, but you couldn't tell the difference between them until the very end. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way, and when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Verse 30. Now, the workers, of course, come to the man who owns the field, and they say, we've got these tares. Where do they come from? You want us to go out there and root them up, tear them up? This is his response, verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. So the wheat and tares both will get rain, Warmth, sunshine, nutrients, vitamins, so on and so on. And they will both grow until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the darnel, which is what this word is, darnel. Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles. Friends, it shouldn't be so, such a great, great thing to us when we see denominational gatherings and even gatherings around this message that will be gathered together in bundles. Because it's the same spirit right around this message that tries to make denominations. Only they gathered under revelations, so-called. That's what they call them. Now, it's the tares that are gathered first. Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat 
into my barn. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you tonight for the reading of your word. Lord Jesus, these precious words that proceeded out of your mouths have been spoken about and commented about, preached about, songs been written about them, sermons been written, Lord, all types of commentaries. Lord, we pray once again that you would come and help us tonight, that you would quicken your word and make it real to us. May we be able, Father, to see the context of what lays here in these verses of Scripture. I know it's a very great age for us, and we know, Father, that we're at the very end time when the tares and the wheat are both coming to fruition. We know in every age they did, but nothing like now. For we see the very signs of the end time culminating in the tribulation period for the world, also in the rapture for the bride. We desire, Father, that we can be ready. Speak to us tonight your word. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Now remember this great rabbi, the Lord Jesus. He's training some apostles and they're going to be able to take these doctrines and be able to instill, establish and instill the truths which they have heard from the Lord himself. Now, remember how we listen to this has a great deal to do with the type of tradition that we've set under or the revelation that we set under which counteracts tradition. The way we will hear this same parable. Now, in studying these parables, I find it amazing because you find so many different concepts of different people and what the wheat is and what the tares is and when they were sown. And the more you read about it, the more you realize why we needed a prophet in this age. We didn't just need another guy to write another version of the Bible. We didn't need a William Branham version of the Bible or a William Branham commentary, but we needed a prophet sent from God to be able to straighten out all this mess that we was in. Now, the Lord Jesus made this parable quite simple in one way because unlike other parables, the disciples, when they got along with him, they was able to ask him the meaning of it. And he was able to expound to them the meaning of this parable more so than he did other parables that he gave. Some of them as the prodigal son and others that we've just looked at, he gave them and he did not really expound to the extent that he's going to this one in Matthew 13. Notice now he says in verse 38, the field is the world. Now remember what we're speaking about, we're speaking about the church. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of of the wicked one? You mean the devil's got young'uns? Wow. But the children, the good seed, are the children of the kingdom. And the wicked one has children, which Jesus called them the children of the wicked one. So he sets forth that they were wheat and tares actually before they were sown. Now notice, Jesus does not set this parable forth the way the gospel has been preached for millennia after it come out of the church ages. Now the way that the, preach, the people, most of them, preach it today and after many hundreds of years is that basically all of this was tares. Then some of them somehow 
They made up their mind. They didn't want to be a tare no longer. They wanted to be a wheat. So somehow, as I said, somehow they made up in their wheat heart or their tear heart with a tear mentality, with a tear mind, with a tear disposition that they wanted to be a wheat. Now, I believe in miracles, but that's just about beyond me. Apparently, it was beyond God. That's why God uses the way of predestination to secure that there will be seed that will be there. Now, notice Jesus says the field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now, let's back up a little bit in verse 24 and watch him as he starts this. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Now, here the Lord Jesus takes personal possession of two things. And that is that he takes possession of the field itself. Now, he's fixing to make the deposit. The deposit has already been made by water baptism under the antediluvian destruction by Noah. So the field is coming back to be his. But he goes ahead and takes personal possession by claim that the world is going to be his field. And setting it forth now from the deity side of the parable, he sets it forth and he says that that the soul, the good seed was in his field. So the good seed was, of course, his seed and the field he claims as his own. But he says, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now he says, when the blade blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Now I want you to notice in the way that Jesus parallels the anointed ones at the end time, that they are so hidden among the real wheat, they can't even be identified unto the very last stage, and that's when they are known. Now actually this, this plant, we preached on it years ago of course, but this plant is actually called Darnell. Darnell is what is identified as a bastard form of wheat. It comes up out of the ground in two blades that looks like identical to the looser move of the two blades of justification. It then moves into the other stage of Wesley, and then it even moves into the stage of Pentecost to where that it looks identical to the wheat even then. Now here the Lord Jesus knew by sowing this, he was giving a pattern of the church ages, knowing that the truth would be lost. It would go to Catholicism, to the dark ages, and the Reformation would come, and the seed would be sown. What would look like was great revivals, and every church age would bear twins. And Jesus identifies all of these under the very parent plant of the darnel or the tear. Now he says that it does not, it's not, it's indistinguishable. It cannot actually be identified. So even a farmer, which is a well-trained farmer with a very good eye, could look right at the darnel and never be able to separate it from the wheat. 
So Jesus is showing us how in the church ages and how out of the reformations as I said that it would come up and it would be twins. Listen little children, power transformation 1965. Listen little children, it will be so close it would deceive the very elect if possible. The same movement, the same mother but different fathers. Now let's bring it on down. That ain't just so in Pentecost but we've got one in our own ranks that's the same way. That's right. The devil ain't going to deceive people around our message by saying, Billy Graham said this, and Oral Roberts said that, you know, and another preacher said so-and-so. No, that's not the way it'll be in our ranks. In our ranks, they'll say, well, Brother Branham said this, and Brother Branham said that, and Brother Branham said something else. But all they got to do is add a little bit here and a little bit there, and they reshape it and remold it into what they call is the message of the hour. And the church said, now notice how close that it is. So whenever it comes up out of the ground, and finally they begin to look around and say, oh my goodness, what in the world happened? Well, when it reaches up to the stage and the workers in the field, they come to the owner of the field, which the Lord Jesus was at, and they said, oh Lord, how, how did this happen? Because we know you did not sow this seed in your field. Well, he said, an enemy has done this. And they said, well, what are we supposed to do now? Well, this is unlike now thistles and thorns and other types of, uh, you know, inheritance that, that a farmer would try to go in and spray in his crops. This one is totally different. Now, when a man would sow soybeans or corn or something like that, and he would have nettles that would come up, he would have brambles that would come up, he would have other things that would come up, and he's able to go through, you know yourself in planting, they could go through at a certain time before the, the harvest or cycle of soybeans or corn, and they're able to treat that. They can even spray it and do all kinds of things. Not with Darnell. Darnell is so close that when it comes up out of the ground, it looks exactly like the wheat. Now, you think as the wheat advances and moves into other stages that the Darnell would be left behind in those stages, but not so. It can look like it's justified. It can look like it's sanctified. It can, it can even look like that it's got the Holy Ghost because it can shout, speak in tongues, so on and so on and so on, and really act like it's got it. Jesus picked a perfect plant in order to identify the church ages by. But notice how, as I said, Jesus didn't say that all the whole field, the whole world was sown down in Darnell and then some of the Darnell somehow miraculously they wanted to be a wheat and all of a sudden the power of God come down and transformed them right in the ground and they were saying, nope, that's the way people preach the gospel but that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a contaminated denominational rubbish heap that has been pulled in that's called the gospel. That is not the gospel. This is the gospel. And the Lord Jesus was the one who introduced it. And Happy Valley said, Amen. We ain't going to argue with the words of Jesus, right? Now notice it brings on down to where that they are, they both wind up inside the church. So the field is the world, and then as it advances and the maturity of the word comes on, it moves beyond just the world out here, and it moves inside what is called the church. So, you know, we drive down today, how many churches did you pass on your way to church tonight? Well, there was a Baptist church here, and a First Baptist there, and a Second Methodist over here, and a Unitarian there, and a Lutheran over here, and a Catholic, and a Pentecostal 
sinful and you know whatever more they were so you passed all kinds that were called now you come up here you turn in the parking lot what did our sign say happy valley church of jesus christ so you pass this out you know pass the baptist church or a methodist church or a church of god or a church of the antichrist i mean church of christ so you pass all these different things and they had part of the same name that was on your church sign as well then now jesus knew that it would be this way remember the devil in the first few years as the spirit of god fell on pentecost he's kind of learning what god is doing because god had never done this before and the devil didn't know what god was doing so once he began to see then the devil wanted to pattern and make himself a church so he said if god's going to have a church i want a church god wants a throne i want a throne god wants a kingdom i want a kingdom so whenever he saw that the lord jesus and he heard these words whenever he told them upon this rock i will build my church here's the first allusion now to the new testament foundation of what's going to happen and jesus calls it his own and says i will build my church well then satan knows right away he's not really sure what a church is he can see them and then you know gathering together and kind of meeting but he don't know so he has to watch after the holy ghost comes and he sees that on the first day of the week which was sunday they started gathering which is really unusual for jews because the jews always met of course on the seventh day which was saturday but these guys started meeting on the first day of the week which was sunday and they started meeting real regularly because they got saved of course and got the holy ghost and they felt the need to go to church quite frequently Praise the Lord. Well, you know, uh, being a Jew in the Old Testament, you could come up from new moon to new moon, uh, from the Sabbath. You come up, the men come up three or four times a year. But you could live plumb on the other side of the land of Israel, and you wouldn't even required to come to church. But after the Holy Ghost come upon people, there was something about them. They started to want to come together and have church. Amen. Well, hallelujah. I think it does the same way today. If we ever truly really get the Holy Ghost, don't you? Now, so we see then this Darnell plan was a, an exact image of what was going to be down through the church ages. Almost totally indistinguishable without the eye of discernment to be able to look inside of that. Now remember when Brother Branham preaches about the stages of the grain. And he preaches it that it was basically three. Now up in the 50s before the word began to unveil more. Now I know I always cause heart pressure to go through the roof and people to nearly have strokes and heart attacks. When I go this way but look it's time for us to grow up and just realize and accept the truth brother Branham preached to us as God unveiled it to him brother Branham did not know it all brother Branham never did know it all God's the only one that knows it all that's right so brother Branham preached basically that there was the three and then he preached that it ended up in Pentecost and Pentecost was the stage of perfection well y'all didn't know he said that well he did now but as the word advanced to him then he began to preach that there was another stage of that and actually that it wound up being Mary and Mary was the one who produced Christ the word but for many years in the 50s as he began to unveil it he began to say well well, that it was justification, then sanctification, then baptism of the Holy Ghost. But as the mystery of the Holy Ghost began to unveil, he began to see that people could actually have the baptism of the Holy Ghost in their spirit and still be lost and go to hell. 
So then what? God further opened up. What was it? What is justification, sanctification, Holy Ghost, Luther, Wesley, Pentecost? But then as he took the microscope, now you'll notice that he likens it this way. He said to the scientist, can be able to take the microscope and pull that back and look inside that little bud. And when you do, he said, you'll see there's where the grain is. But the bud looks so much like the grain that Brother Branham actually called it the grain himself. Well, yes, he did. That's right. Now, but once God gave him the microscope and he looked inside of there and pulled back them little layers of the bud, then he realized Pentecost is not the end. As a matter of fact, you hear him saying, and who is Melchizedek, that it was justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then the rapture. <laughs> Justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then the rapture. Guess what? That's your stage right here. But we know God moves us through those stages of justification, sanctification, and baptism of the Holy Ghost. But he stopped right there. And the fifth is leading up to that it was the third stage that would take the rapture. But we know justification made way for sanctification. Sanctification made way for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Baptism of the Holy Ghost made way for the Holy Ghost himself, the person. The person, not just the restoration of gifts, not just shouting, screaming, oh, we believe in all that, do we not? But many people have that and still are not born again. But the fourth final stage is what? The person of the word living in you. That's right. Now, of course, the Darnell can never come to this stage. No wonder the Lord Jesus would call this Darnell, that he would actually call it the children of the wicked one. Now, the Darnell is not only deceptive in its traits and its characteristics, but it's also very, very poisonous. Now, when it reaches its maturity, whenever it finally comes out to the very height and it ends up in what it's supposed to produce, for those who take this Darnell and eat it, it can start with nausea because it looks like wheat. It can start with nausea. They can begin to lose their sight and they become blind, Laodiceans. I mean, they become blind and can't see what age they're in. And they become sick and they become nauseated. Oh my, there's so many side effects that can go. Now, can you imagine that you are in a Darnell church? So you know, you're know you taught all your life, basically, this is the way to heaven. Uh, you know, come join us, and we're going to get you there. We guarantee you that our preaching will get you there the way we baptize, the way we teach, and everything. Put your confidence in what we're doing here, because we'll get you to the pearly gates. And then you come right up to the very end of it, and your church materializes and goes out of her into him, which is the Antichrist. It goes into him, and when it reaches that maturity, that final stage, that's when the poison really starts coming out. Don't you understand why that we're seeing all around the world in religion and church entity the way it is? Why? They're coming to the full fruition of their poison. Their poison, the end of their denominations and what it's going to lead to. Where's it going to take them? Straight to the tribulation period. That's right. Oh, I know there's message preachers that preach. You can go in the message, in the rapture rather, without believing this message. I'm not sure where they get that hogwash, but that's what it is. Oh, yeah. I know you're, you're sheltered. You find it hard to believe. But there are message preachers that are preaching today that you don't even have to believe this message. You don't have to even hear this prophet to go in the bowl. Tell me why God even sent him in the first place. 
Why did God go to all this hassle and all this trouble to mold and make this prophet of God and then let anybody and everybody go on the rapture? It makes no sense to me. When Abraham called Eliezer, you had to hear Eliezer's message or you did not go back to meet Isaac. Praise the Lord. Oh my. Now whenever they start eating the fruition of the darnel, that's whenever the stomach problems, the nausea, the blindness, and actually death. Actually, for some, if they eat enough of it, it can actually kill them. Now, can you imagine you're standing there looking and picking something that looks to you identical as wheat? It looks like wheat. They preach a little bit of the Bible. They preach a little bit of the message. And you say, well, what's wrong with it? So what difference does it make when we go to church? Well, I guess it depends on whether you want to die or you want to live. That's the only difference. I mean, would you want to go to any restaurant here in the Tri-Cities area that advertises, we promise food poisoning? Ever, ever meal. We promise we fix Mexican, we fix chicken, we fix beef, and we promise absolute food poison. Because our chefs will always add enough to make sure you'll be laid up for three or four days. Would any of you all go? If you would, please come right now. Interrupt my preaching and let me pray for you. Because you're nuts. None of us would go back. Even if you think you got sick in the place, you say, I'm not sure I'm going back to that place. I got sick. And yet people will go to church, which is not just making them sick physically, but damning their souls to hell. And they will be more faithful than some people are to a true church. Oh my. Isn't it amazing that Darnell is so close to the original seed line that it lacks a separating identification through all of these stages. What an amazing thing. That it's not like that you can look at it and say, well, uh, these and, and this is just exactly alike. You say, no, they're not anywhere at all alike. So you couldn't say, well, this would deceive the very elected if it was possible. It's so close. This ain't close. Praise the Lord. This ain't close. But a darnell growing right up beside the wheat, blowing in the wind. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Thank you, Jesus, for the sun. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Notice Jesus says the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Well, let me just ask you a question. If they come to the earth as children of the wicked one, is there anything that could ever happen to them to change who their papa is? Brother Terry, don't tell me you're just going to say, oh my, man, I want more of an amen. (laughs) Notice this. Now, Jesus says the children of the wicked one, the enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. So what we have is the Satan's seeds in the Savior's field. Satan's seeds in the Savior's field. And this is the Savior's field. We've been talking about it on the weekend. We're fixing to take it over. But the devil, once he polluted the original bedding ground of the first woman on the earth... Then he was able to make an entrance into the human race. 
Then when the bloodlines are mixed in Genesis 6, then we find coming out up to that time there were two separate bloodlines, two separate seed lines, but coming out after the flood of Genesis 6, then we find a Moses, which was a call servant of God, but now we find a nature out of this man that is murderous like that of Cain. And we find a Jacob and an Esau coming from the same mother and the same father. And a Jacob which seemed to be a more godly man in one sense of the word, but was so vile and such a liar and such a cheat, and yet the seed of God lay in his soul. What happened? The bloodlines mixed in Genesis 6. Now whether or not you like it, that's where you are today. Amen. Your mama might have been the mama of part of you, and your daddy might have been the daddy of part of you, but your mama wasn't a part mother of another part of you, neither was your daddy the father of another part of you. Well, that's a little excerpt from the weekend coming up. Just give you something to think about. Now, God knew, of course, what Satan would do. So then he attributed the devil into this, of course, tying it back to the seed that was sown in the Garden of Eden, that the devil was the one who sowed them. So we see Christ's good seed being sown in the earth and the devil's other seed as well. Now notice St. John chapter 8, verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. And who was he talking to? Great doctors of deity and divinity and great theological guys, Pharisees and doctors of the law. And yet Jesus said, my word has no place. No place? You mean there's no way the word could ever get inside these men according to the very words of Jesus. There was no place in their hearts for his word. Well, friends, whether or not you accept it tonight or a week from now or a month from now or 10 years from now, you're finally going to wake up eventually, hopefully, and recognize that some men were ordained of old unto this condemnation. That is what the Bible says. And God could let them live for 10,000 years on this earth and they would never serve him. Look at the millennium. At the end of it, there will be multitudes of people that will either turn away from God after living for him in the millennium or they never totally submitted to him and they will join up with the devil and they will go about to be deceived and actually come against you and glorified bodies and your Lord Jesus. Can you imagine living on the earth for a thousand years of peace and yet you defy the very master and Lord that's allowed you to live in that time? Notice Jesus says, now watch, this is the gospel. This is the rabbi of the New Testament church. So Jesus did not teach, though a lot of preachers do, that, you know, anybody can get the word anytime they want to. They make up their mind to come to God. Just come whenever you want. Anybody can have it any place, anytime. And where did Jesus ever say that? Praise the Lord. Boy, it's awful warm in your basic cold outside. Where is it just me? Notice in verse 38. I speak that which I have seen with my father. And you do that which you have seen with your father. Verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? 
even because you cannot hear my word. Now, Jesus could have let them same guys live until this very age. Let them be thousands of years old and they still wouldn't be able to hear it. If you can hear tonight, you ought to be the happiest person in the world because it was given to you by God to be able to hear. You cannot hear my word. Oh my goodness. Ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. And why do you listen to this liar then? Why do you listen to one word he's got to say? If I told you a hundred of the lies the devil told you, you'd have got rid of me years ago. If Brother Louie, Brother Joel, Brother Aaron, these song leaders got up here and told you one hundredth of one percent of the lies the devil tells you, you'd be approaching the deacons, you'd be coming to me and say, Brother Donnie, it ain't right. Brother Louie's getting up there telling lies. Brother Joel's telling lies. It ain't right. I agree. Neither is it right for us to listen to the biggest liar that has ever been on the earth and every one of us is as guilty as we can be. Telling us God don't love us and God don't care and God ain't gonna move and this ain't gonna happen and that ain't gonna happen. We need to shut his mouth. That's right. Notice because there is no truth in him. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say that he couldn't use truth occasionally. But there's no truth in him. You see how blessed you are. You're not just using truth. Truth is in you. Truth is part of what you are. He can use the truth. He did to the Lord Jesus. He did to Brother Branham. Oh, God done this and God could have done that. He said everything he told me was the truth. But that truth did not come from Satan. It was borrowed from God. And that's what he does to you and me. When he tries to tell us, he'll quote us the scripture and quote us the message. But it ain't because truth's in him. It ain't because he even believes it. He's trying to use it against you. It ought to be the best sign you're a child of God because he's trying to use your own weapons against you. He don't believe it, but he knows you do. Oh, praise God. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar. Don't you love telling him that? And the father of it. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God. Now I just got through telling them in verse 44, you are of your father the devil. But he's here saying, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because... Simple. You are not of God. Now friends, this is the gospel. 
But do we hear it preached this way? Here? <laughs> well, good. Thank the Lord. Here. <laughs> he that is of God, hear us God's word. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Now, what if Peter would have preached to them and say, approached it in a little different way? What if James would? Now, James was a more of a Jewish type of a guy. You know, he didn't quite have the understanding Paul did and Peter did. What if James would have addressed them? Well, I'm going to go back over and see if I can get a hold of them, you know, them cast-offs that Jesus is kind of rough with. See if I can bring them in. Wasting your time, James. Jesus said, there's other father of the devil. You ain't got the ability to hear him. You figure they're going to hear James and the only word God himself. Some of you figure you're going to bring people to the Lord Jesus and men of God try to talk to them and they don't want to be gotten by the word. And you figure by your reasoning and you're smart, you're going to outsmart them. Come on, children. Don't waste your time with a bunch of this rubbish. Don't waste your time with a bunch of cannon fodder. Shouldn't we witness? Absolutely witness to everybody the Holy Ghost leads you to. Everybody the Holy Ghost leads you to witness. Tell them about the goodness of God. And if he don't, then that might tell you what he thinks about them. Well, praise the Lord. Now notice in St. John 10. Now you can imagine now this is your rabbi. So your rabbi begins to instill in you before you ever get the Holy Ghost that there's a good seed, which are children of God, and there's a wicked seed, which are children of the devil. That there are men who are of their father, the devil, and there are people who are of God. So then I guess you would struggle with predestination after hearing that, right? You would have really struggled with free moral agency. Since your rabbi never mentioned that word. Can anybody show me where Jesus, where the Bible mentions the term free moral agency? Really? Boy, it is getting warm in here now. Where do we get it? Church ages. This is what the early church believed. I've been restored myself. St. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for all the goats and all the wolves. And some of them goats will feel sorry for me and they will hear the cross preached so much and the preachers will preach it so pitiful that they'll feel so sorry for me And they'll come and give me their heart, kind of. Trash. Garbage. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus never died for one goat. (laughs) Woo. But he that isn't harling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scatter the sheep. The harling fleeth because he isn't harling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know. Now this is pre-Calvary. 
This is pre-Calvary. And he's already calling them sheep. Already saying he knows his sheep and he ain't even died yet. So he's not preaching the gospel then so-called that, well, one of these days uh, there'll be a bunch of goats out there and, and a bunch of wolves and, and they'll be, uh, you know, the darn hell and tares and this and that and they'll hear what I've done and uh, I'll miraculously change them. I'll, I'll, I'll change them and they'll pop. They'll just change from a wolf into a sheep. Or they'll change from a goat into a sheep and I, I'll let them go in because I love them. I feel so sorry for them and I, I'll let them go in. Lies. Jesus come to seek and save that which was lost. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So they were sheep in his mind before Calvary. St. John ten sixteen and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Now remember, Jews and Gentiles merging together into the new man that Paul writes about in the book of Galatians to make one new man under the cross. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, which is what we're doing here tonight. They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Amen. Now do you believe you're hearing the voice of Jesus tonight or the voice of Donnie Reagan? Am I reading to you my words? Am I reading to you uh, some, some theologian, some uh, archbishop of the diocese of some another? I'm reading you the words of the original rabbi, the church founder. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe me not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Now they've questioned him again. Boy, they're all bent out of shape again. But ye believe not because... You are not of my sheep. So it was one simple answer. You don't believe because you're not of my flock. Now think of it. There was nobody at this time saved. There was nobody what we call today in the justified state. Or they believed the Lord and accepted him in that sense. And they'd been baptized in water. But nobody was truly born again. Nobody had the Holy Ghost yet. Nobody really even understood what the Holy Ghost was about. So it wasn't like if some of them had been born again and boy, they've got the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, now you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Nobody had it. But they were still identified as sheep before they ever even got the Holy Ghost. Don't you understand what it is that makes you sheep? It's not you getting the Holy Ghost that makes you sheep. It's sheep deposit. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's what makes you a sheep of God is a sheep deposit that God placed in you before you ever got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost quickened that sheep deposit. Amen. And put you back into circulation in the right flock. Ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. 
You see, all the sheep were given to the Lord Jesus by the Father. You see, in this Melchizedek priesthood, Jesus had both father and mother. Jesus had a day started. And a day died. But Melchizedek didn't have a mother or a father. Jesus wasn't Melchizedek, but Melchizedek was in Jesus. Oh, goodness, I'm giving away the weekend spoiler. Now think, he paralleled himself of the way every seed of God out of Pentecost would be. Jesus had a mother and a father. You can hear this if you like, because it's Melchizedek. Jesus had both mother and father. But Melchizedek didn't have a father nor a mother. And then Brother Ram goes through and he preaches all that and he comes right up close to the end of it. He said, now you can see why Mary was not his mother. And you're thinking, you just said back here, a few pages back here, that Mary was his mother. And it hit me yesterday. I thought, glory to God. Mary was a mother, a part of him. But the Melchizedek part, she could not mother. Your mother, oh hallelujah, hallelujah to God. Don't you understand? You're exactly the same way. That supernatural part of you is not a part of your mother. It's not a part of your daddy. Predestinated seed don't come through sex desire. It can't come from mama and daddy. It come from the almighty. It's the strain of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. It's the strain of Melchizedek. That's the order that we're called to. Johnny, you weren't supposed to say that. Well, I done said it anyway, so shut up. Oh, praise be to God. You see, the sheep were given to Melchizedek. And he came out of the eternal. My body didn't come out of the eternal. Your body didn't come out of the eternal. Come from where? Mother and father. Remember the angel of the Lord called Mary his mother. Take the young child and his mother. And yet Brother Bramber said over and over again, Mary was not his mother. Who are you thinking? Well, is she or ain't she? Well, she is, but she ain't. It's not your mama. Well, apparently the Lord wants me to deal with this a little bit tonight, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Just like with your mom and your daddy. Oh, sure, they had to come together, their DNA, their chromosomes, in order to give you an expression of life so you could get your hair color and eye color and on and on and on. But they are not the father or mother of the real you. You were part of the eternal before there was ever any time, brother, sister. That is the sheep deposit that God placed in you. Blessed be the Lord God. You see, these men were not given to Jesus before the foundation of the world as part of his chosen flock. That's why Jesus kept identifying them. You are not my sheep. You cannot hear my voice. No 
Notice he said in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He knew them as the elect of God. Oh, Brother Donnie, now I believe in foreknowledge. Do you? But do you believe it the right way? Well, now, Brother Donnie, this is the way I believe it. I believe God saw one day I would make up my mind, and God saw that I would be the best one out of my family, and God's. St. John 10 28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall. Never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Don't you understand, friends, why people which are not sheep can come to God, leave, come to God, leave, come to God, leave. Oh, am I a real sheep of God? Might get out of fellowship. They might get cold. They might get indifferent. But if it's a real sheep of God, they will never turn from being a sheep and becoming a goat. It's absolutely impossible. Their nature inside of them, it eats on them, it pulls at them. They hunger. I don't care how much they drink. I don't care how much they smoke and how much pills they take and what they try to do to find joy they'll never find it if they are a sheep of God there's only one thing that'll satisfy them that's the voice of the shepherd and his voice is the word why he gave them eternal life and they will never perish But if they're not sheep and they come under the whosoever rule group or they come and serve God and then they go back to the world and they come and serve God and they go back to the world and they may wind up being saved or they may wind up being lost. But Jesus won't lose, won't she? I wonder how many folks have backslid away from this church here. My goodness, there's enough of church folks that's come through this church that could have probably two or three more this size or bigger. Some of them on fire for God. Oh, my own fire for God. Boy, this word, this word. Every church is the same way, basically. No matter where you go, well, where's this one? Oh, he don't serve God no more. Where's that one? Don't serve God no more. But you know what? You realize as you go on in time, many of them are not sheep. Remember when Eliezer was sent down to get Rebecca. Rebecca was not the only woman that followed Eliezer back. But the Bible tells us her maidens come back with her. So they were following the messenger right back to Isaac as well. But they never was the bride. Praise be to God. Oh, Lot, bless his heart, he had a penny's worth of faith. That's all he could ever muster up. Three angelic beings come down to see Abraham one day. Abraham looked at three and said, my Lord. But Lot fell away from the message. Two angels come down to him. He turned into a two-lord guy. He said, my lords. So when you hear that around our message, you know they've left the message. I don't care what they say. And they're a lot tight. You don't find Abraham saying, my lords, my lords, my lords. It's Lot that says, my lords. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. The real seed of Abraham knows there ain't two gods. There ain't two lords. There ain't three lords, four lords. They know there is one God. The prophet said it made no difference to Abraham how many he saw. He knew there was one. Amen. 
Notice St. John 17, 5. Jesus' prayer. Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. Now watch pre-incarnation, pre-separation of Logos from the eternal. Let's go back into the realm now of eternity. O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Glorify me, Father, with that which the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Go back with me now, God. Let's go back in the great eternal before he was ever separated out of that. What was it? A little white light playing before the Father's door. I manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. So here's the rabbi teaching that there were men gave to him out of the world. They're not filled with the Holy Ghost yet. They're not. But they were his. Gave us them out of the world. Thine they were. And thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. Verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them. And have known surely that I came out. I came out from thee. Not from beside you as your little boy, but I came out. Kinos, immorphe. What was Melchizedek? The immorphe of God. Amen. What was that pillar of fire? Immorphe of God. What was in the Garden of Eden? Immorphe of God. That I came out from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. Can y'all handle this next sentence? I pray not for the cosmos. But for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. This is the man who said John 3.16. But are we sure he believed it the way we quote it? Look, friends, when you really look back in the Scripture, you realize how far off the scriptural paths that people are. And believe with all their heart they're preaching the gospel. You do believe this is the gospel. This is the man himself. I reckon he ought to know. Oh, my. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For thy, oh, my, they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Notice verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou. So where was God? Thou in me. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father. Jesus answered and saith unto him, Philip, have I been with you so long and you have not known me? 
when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. <laughs> but you see, it depends on which set of eyes you're seeing. Some men looked at him and said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? No. Is not his sister, is not his brothers with us? No. But it depends on which one your eyes you're talking about. Now the angel could call her his mother. But in another word, he was Melchizedek. And she sure couldn't mother that. Now notice he says, Father, oh my, I love this verse. I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. This is a one personal thing now that he asked Father God for. That they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Praise God. Did you get that? No, no, no. You, you, you didn't. Oh, no, no. I was hoping so much you would. Let me read it again. Verse 23. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Verse 24. Father, I will that thou soon thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me. Before the foundation of the world. And he wants us to realize that he loved us the same way. (laughs) Hallelujah. He loved us the same way he loved him. How? Before the foundation of the world. Friends, Brother Branham never come up with these things. God did. Can I have a few more minutes? Romans chapter 9, verse 11. For the children, being not yet born, Jacob and Esau, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So one was chosen and the other one was rejected before they was ever even born. Neither of them had any any ability, any element of time to be able to do something. And then God would look at what they would do and then he'd say, well, based on that, I will choose this one. It's based on the election of God. You want to know why you're in if you're in? Because he chose you. You probably got people in your family that wouldn't cause God near as much trouble as you and I have. When you look at it, the elect of God have been some pretty tough characters down through the word of God. Come on now, saints. You might as well say amen. So the children were not yet born. So therefore, there was no works of their own. There was no character displayed, but it was manifested attributes that come from the mind of the eternal. So it was not distinct because, well, I'll tell you one thing. I read my Bible three times a day. I pray. I pay my tithes. I give offering. I do this. I do this. I do that. God said, yep, yeah, you're the kind I want in my heaven. God said, Jacob have a love and Esau have a hated. 
And actually the prophet tells us Esau was a better man than Jacob was. Jacob was a shyster, he was a liar, he was a cook. Sounds like a few folks I know. <laughs> anyway. Now remember this was made, this statement was made to Rebecca before her children were ever born. Wow, what a burden to place on a mother. The purpose of God precedes the formation of human character and human choice. Praise God. Whether the, whether the works are good or bad, the purpose of God precedes either. Notice this. Abraham's seed. Brother Abraham said, now Jesus said, we won't argue with him. Jesus said, no man can come to me except my father draws him first. Then it was God knocking at your heart, not you seeking God. It was God seeking you. So you see, the covenant is to you also a grace covenant because it's God's grace calling you. You never chose him. He chose you. Out of the millions in the world today, he reached down and chose you because he put your name on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. That's what the Bible said. Before there was a world, Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world because when God speaks anything, it's so perfect it has to take place. It's as good as done when God speaks it. Praise be to God. Future home in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I love this, isn't this? The three stages. It was an attribute first was in God. He thought of himself as being human. That transmitted him down. I read this this past weekend, but let's read it again. That transmitted him down to be Jesus. And now if you'll ever be there, you was with him then. For there's only one form of eternal life and that's God. And you had to be a part of God at the beginning. Not what you, listen, just chose down here. He chose you. All the Father has given me will come to me. Paragraph 232. There is your holy convocation. Not any have anything to do with the literal thing. It's beyond that. It's into the kingdom of God with eternal life with the predestinated that never did start. It never started on any day. You wasn't saved on any day. Woo! You was always saved. Amen. Jesus has come to redeem that. But you was saved from the beginning because you had eternal life to begin with. So, Brother Don, does that mean that when I was born in the world, I was born saved? No, you was born lost. But in God's mind, you always was. And God's thinking you always was saved. In reality, you was out of circulation. You was eating slop out of the pig trough. Come on. But in God's mind, you was always his. 
All this is is just a temporary setback. So you live 15, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. What is that? Less than a second in God's time? Already less than a passing thought. And those years of your life are gone. And if you're sick or tonight forgiven by the blood of the Lord Jesus, God don't ever remember you being anything but his child. I don't care how much wrong you've done, how many things you've done. If God has annihilated your sin, that is so far out of the existence of God that God can only remember one thing about you and that is you are his. Oh, praise be to God. Notice again in this 237 in future home. Pardon me if I'm excited. I've been listening to this future home probably 40 times in the last, my goodness, in the last several weeks, in the last few days I've been going through who is Melchizedek too. So, oh my goodness. If you ain't listened to it in a while, y'all listen to it at least 40, 50 times. Then we're going to start listening to it. Notice this in 237. If you've got eternal life, there's only one form and that's God. And you're an express attribute. If you're not, you're not going to be there anyhow. No man can come to me except my father's autumn see, which passes away all these old things, but these things don't. So it speaks of eternity. The Holy Ghost is eternal. Then you are in eternity where you was all the time, but you just recognized what happened. Praise be to God. You wasn't born saved. You wasn't born filled with the Holy Ghost. You were born lost. You was out of circulation, out of the flock, but you're still a sheep, still a coin, still a prodigal. Amen. You just recognize what happened. See, you were made for an eternal purpose because you was the manifestation of an attribute that was in God that thought of you. Somebody hold my mules. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are an expression, a manifestation of an attribute that was in God that thought of you and expressed you and made an earth to take you out of. Can you imagine? He made an earth to take you out of. He made an earth to take you out of. He needed elements. He needed chemistry. So he said, I'm just going to make this big planet. And I'm going to take my children's body out of that planet. Made an earth to take you out of and to make you a human being. Sin come along and perverted his way. You come anyhow. You was lost with the world. So he come and redeems you, the express attribute, and also redeems the world, the earth, the same way. Then his purpose rolls on. Say, oh, hallelujah. Oh, that does me so much good. You know what? I don't understand this, why that makes folks mad. I don't understand why message preachers fight this. It done Brother Branham so much good. It makes some folks sick to their stomach. Too rich, I guess. Who is Melchizedek? Paragraph 50, we'll close here momentarily. And remember, your eyes, your stature, whatever you was, you were in his thinking at the beginning. And the only thing that you are is the expression word. After he thought it, He spoke it. 
And here you are. He thought it. He spoke it. And here you are. Oh, glory. If it isn't, if you wasn't in his thinking, now there's no way at all for you to ever be there. For he is the one that gives eternal life. You remember how we read the scripture? Not him that willeth, or him that runneth, but God. And that his predestination might stand true. He could choose before time. God is sovereign in his choosing. Did you know that? God is sovereign. Who was back there to tell him a better way to make the world? Who would dare tell him he's running his business wrong? You know, when preachers stand up and preach against election and predestination, they're telling God, you're running your business wrong. Well, I'd like to stand here tonight as I close and say, Papa, you're doing just a fine job. I don't see I could be running any better. It couldn't be no better. Listen. Praise be to God. This Jim down, Brother Brad, there, another verse out of Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Now this word call is not an invitation, but a divine calling. According to his own purpose. Barnes says it this way, God does not convert men without design, and his designs are not new, but are eternal. What he does, he always meant to do. What is right for him to do was right always to intend to do. What God always meant to do is his purpose or plan. Well, I've got to read this one more quote. By foreknowledge, the infinite God who knowed all things saw the lamb and he slayed the lamb before the foundation of the world and put your name on the Lamb's book of life, he's seen the deceitfulness of Satan, what he would do. So he put your name on there. Don't you understand why he did this? Brother Branham ties the deceitfulness of Satan being so strong and so powerful. It was needful for God to do it this way. So he put your name on there and he said the Antichrist would be so religious, so good, such a fine fellow, such a smart man, a religious man. He would deceive the very elected if it was possible. But it isn't. It's impossible. Because their names are foreordained before the foundation of the world. By election, he chose them. And by predestination, they know where they are going. By election, he chose them, and by predestination, they know where they are going. There you are. Now, who could doubt that? That's what Paul said. That's Paul's scripture. That's Paul's writing. That's what he taught his church. Where'd he get it? Under Rabbi Jesus. Gamaliel never taught this stuff. He switched rabbis. The church positionally before the foundation of the world. When God 
in his labor pain was bringing forth, bringing forth you knowing what you would do. He positionally placed you into his own body. Notice the first thing that he mentions. Don't say prophet, pastor, apostle, missionary, housewife, farmer, to be a preacher, to be a prophet, to be this or that. He placed you positionally. God in his labor pain. And he called your name, your word name. The devil throws everything hails God at you. And sometimes he gets so close. He's even heard it say it out of your mouth. I'm quitting. I give up. I can't go no farther. I've had all I can take. And from some source, he don't know where. Because I was out of town, which you about went ballistic when you found out. Brother Darrell was somewhere else, or, you know, and you, oh, oh God, oh God, I don't want to do, oh Lord, Brother Darrell's out of town, oh, what am I going to do, oh God. But it was like something from within you that was invisible. That began to raise up and you begin to say, and he heard you say, he said, you ain't supposed to say that. Because you begin to say, how can I quit? A work I never started. How can I give up, give, give up on something that I never even began? And you go to quote in the scripture, He that has begun this good work in me will finish it. We'll perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. God, forgive me for saying I'm giving up. Lord, I, I'm, I'm made out of stuff that don't bluff. I'm made out of stuff that don't give up. And I said, what happened? What happened? He was so close. Jesus just lied down and said, ah, you just thought it was close. He was eternity away from giving up. He was eternity away from giving up. That was just his flesh that got weary. That was just he wore out and stressed and all that sort of thing. All I had to do was get him along with me for a little bit. And I began to whisper love secrets to him. Hallelujah. I began to encourage her from within. And she rose out of there like a lion killer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, how great you are, how wonderful Father. Oh God, I pray you would help each of us Lord, we don't want to just be a part of Happy Valley Church or whatever church would be our home assembly. We want to be a part of the church of the living God. The church that you claimed as your church. The one you said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Father, please help us tonight, Lord. No doubt, dear God, there's ones that are here and that those that have streamed the service or archived it and they're a part of that church. Mystically, they're baptized into the body of God. But Lord, maybe it's, it's a family trouble. Maybe it's a prolonged sickness. Maybe it's a 
financial situation they've been in. The devil's just wearing them out with it, Lord. We know Daniel prophesied it would be one of Satan's tactics in the last day. That it would just try to wear the saints out. Lord, we know that going through a trial that can be prolonged for weeks and weeks and months. It can become so difficult, Lord. Easier for us to lose Lose that spark when we're in pain. Oh, when the anointing's moving and we're feeling wonderful and great. My, we can shout the victory. Lord, when we call upon your name, and it seemed like you're nowhere around. The prophet said it so many times. He'd come to that spot. He'd search his life. Turn over every stone, as he said. Turn over every stone just to see if there was something wrong somewhere. Then he would just stand still and wait. Think about his ways. Consider what you were. And wait upon God. Trust you, Lord. I pray you'd minister to every heart here tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, we love you so much. I love these great truths, my Father. Thank you, Lord, for coming to the earth and bringing, breaking forth these wonderful things. It must have been astounding. Not only to the believers, but to the unbelievers as they heard such words. My, it must have just cut them to the heart. As John began to write them years later from what we've read about here tonight, Lord, and the Holy Ghost began to click into what he said. Imagine being pulled off in that cave there in the Isle of Patmos, just by himself all alone. The Holy Ghost began to catch him back, and he, he relived the fishing trips. He relived the call as you begin to call him and James. As you call him and Peter and all the rest of the brethren, how the Holy Ghost quickened it to him. But yet John, by this time, being a prophet, had moved into a higher sphere than just a penman. He was more than just one to write and record that which he had seen. He was able to be carried up into the beginning. Glory to God, even back into the eternal. And be able to bring forth things that Matthew, Mark, or Luke could never touch. Thank you for it, Lord. We love you tonight, Lord Jesus. These things are meant to encourage us, Father, to help us, Lord, to know that no matter what we're facing, amen. Hallelujah. Our future is looking clear. Praise God. You alone only know what we'll face before we leave this world. But the bride's future is looking clear. Lord Jesus, we love you, Father. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. How many has a need tonight in your heart? You just have to raise your hand to the Lord. Would you look around standing by you there? Different people have their hands up. Would you care to lay your hand on the person standing there near you? It might be for sickness. It might be depression. Who knows what it is? The Lord knows. But listen. Don't pray for yourself now, would you? But let's pray for our brothers and sisters in the need that they're, they're bringing before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we've been called to be priests of God. As priests, we bring our brothers and sisters' needs and burdens and requests before the throne of God. Lord, we're told in the Scripture that we are to bear one another's burdens. Lord Jesus, I 
I bring your children in this visible audience and those that are invisible as well, Lord, before the throne of God. Oh, Jesus, may you help minister to your people. Lord, there's so much sickness, so much disease, so much trouble in the world that we're living. And Father, we know that you have gone away, of course, to prepare the place for us. But we know that you are not so consumed with heavenly things that you've forgotten us down here in this element of time. But we know that you're concerned, Lord, and you can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. So we pray tonight, God, that you would help us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may the Spirit of God minister to the saints tonight, Father. Those that are sick, Lord, I think about Brother Jerry Glenn tonight. Lord, you see our brother having that heart attack, Father, and the damage that's been left done to his heart. Lord, and from the doctor's report of what they've said. But Lord, we're looking to another report that by your stripes our brother's healed. God, I pray that you just move for our brother and strengthen him, Lord, with only about half the function left in his heart. But Heavenly Father, we know you're able to go in there and be able to move on that heart muscle and be able to bring it right back and restore our brother, Lord. Father, I pray for Brother Howard Collins. You see, Lord, the surgery he had to have. Others, Lord, surgeries and sick and different things that's going on in the saints. I pray for him, Lord, as a shepherd. I love him. Lord, it just breaks my heart to see him sick and suffering. Would you move for him, Lord Jesus? Then, Father, maybe there's some here tonight that don't have the Holy Ghost. May this be the night the dove of God would fly through this building, oh, Lord. Hallelujah. And baptize them with the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, maybe some just need encouragement, whatever we have need tonight, Lord. Oh, Lamb of God, minister to us, we pray. We love you, Lord Jesus, with all of our hearts. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise be to God. You believe it, saints? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just sing a little something before we go. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and say, God bless you, brother, sister. Good to be together with you in the house of God tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship Him just a little before we go. To Jesus, Jesus died for me. Oh, boy. How marvelous the grace that called my fallen soul. He looked beyond all. Destinated Oh, yeah.
thank you, Jesus. Oh, I believe my name was written in his book. Oh, before the world or time ever began. Thank you, Jesus. When he pulled back the seals, I was able to look and see my name in his plan. Oh, it changed me forever. And now I know that I'm one of his I'm going to be preaching this weekend, Lord willing. You might want to listen to who is Melchizedek. Praise the Lord. I shall fall. 